And once again, welcome to the Retro Resolutions podcast. This is episode 16, and today we are going to talk about console mods. Uh, I'm Dylan. This is Matt. And uh, I'm really getting excited to talk about console mods with you this week. But before we get into it, as always, I want to talk about what we've been playing. Matt, what have you been playing? Uh, So, uh, and this fits in with our... uh, our podcast today is that I have been playing on my newly modded GameCube, thanks to you, and we'll talk about more of that details. But uh, I've been playing, uh, and the full name is escaping me, so you'll have to help me. Paper Mario RPG. Yes, so Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door is the name. Thousand of Thousand Year Door. That's yeah. I knew there was a door in there somewhere. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing that and I have really enjoyed the, the graphics, what they did, you know, with the improved graphics of the GameCube and how they used, uh, the uniqueness. If you've never played, uh, Paper Mario, the Mario and the characters are kind of flat, like they've been drawn on a sheet of paper and then but they turn and they have different views and uh kind of hard to describe uh but uh the graphics were so pretty with how they used it and maximized the techniques that made it original uh it's a very basic rpg so if you're not into rpgs i or haven't played rpgs uh it's one of those games I recommend to people because it's so much fun to get into. It's kind of takes you step by step into the world of RPG. And, uh, yeah, I've had a blast playing that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's really the main game I've been playing. Thanks to, uh, I've been playing, I've been sampling a ton of GameCube games. So it actually was kind of hard to go, okay, what's the game I played the most? And I would have to say that that was probably the one that I played the most. How about you, Dylan? Uh, so I have been playing a lot of Pokemon Coliseum on the GameCube also. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm really close to being done with it, but I, I got to catch them all, right? So there's oh. there's 48 shadow Pokemon in this game that you can catch, and uh, I have caught 46 of them. Um, this yeah. end game stuff is pretty tough because it's basically just grind. Is it? Um, now, have you cleaned all of those? How do you? What's the pro? Like I know you have to clean them. Yeah, do you have purify. To clean them right? Purify. Yeah. Do you have to purify them right away, or can you hold on to them for a while? And yeah, then so purified at your convenience. How does that work? Yeah, so basically the trade-off is that when they're shadow Pokemon, they uh, can't. They lose one move in out of their arsenal. Actually, they lose all, but they have only one move at first. And as their shadow meter goes down, they gain the other three of them back. But there's one move that they all have called shadow rush and shadow rush uh is in lieu of whatever that move would be once they're purified um but the other downside the other trade-off is that they can sometimes decide not to do any move at all and will go into what's called hyper mode and hyper mode 
gives them a higher chance of uh, doing a critical hit, but it also will be like, uh, it's almost like they're over leveled because there's no gym badges in this game. So it could be like, they will just decide not to, or they'll get confused or something. Um, so you do want to purify them because uh, they will not be as unpredictable and then they will also gain a move back and then they'll be able to level up while they're in shadow mode. They're stuck at the oh. level you get them at. They're stuck. So, okay. yeah. So there's, there's a lot of like trade-offs and it's mostly in your best interest to purify them. Gotcha. Um, and you purify them by mostly by doing battles with them. And then what I do is to purify them quickly is I go through this mount battle and it is just like a, a gauntlet of battles, but it starts off really easy and you can restart as much as you want. And so I'll just take shadow Pokemon in and then do a bunch of battles for the first two or three zones. That's 30 battles. And uh, every time they go into hyper mode, they uh, when you can call them in battle and get them out of hyper mode and it makes their shadow meter drop a bit. And so I just kind of mindlessly go through and mash a until they get into hyper mode and then I call them and then I just keep going up until the battles start to get a little bit too tough. And then I go reset and that's how I've been purifying my, my Pokemon. Um, but it's, it's a nice little Pokemon game. Uh, it's kind of surprising to me that they never went back to those, uh, that style of game. Cause those two, there were two of them on GameCube that I'm excited about to start the next one. Um, and they just like never they never went back to the the whole shadow pokemon snagging thing. No. And in fact, I, you know, we talked about this this last week and as you know, I had never even heard about it. Like, I mean, I knew that the game was out there, but I didn't know that it was like this style that you had this whole style of shadow and you know, the the purifying or whatever and it was like, man, uh, that is definitely on my list of of games that i want to thoroughly play on the on the gamecube because it sounds like you said it's unique it, it's not something that they they continued with so but it right. sounds fun it sounds i mean yeah it sounds it's good fun. um so yeah that's I, that's pretty much what i've been playing uh nice and then of course the the how we've been doing this is we've been yeah. playing the same way on original hardware that's right. Using the relatively new Pico Boot modification, uh, which can can really nicely segue into our main topic of console right. mods. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do you want to describe what the Pico Boot mod is? So, uh, and this is from coming from someone who doesn't do the mods. So maybe that is kind of a fun way to describe it. Right. It? So the Pico Boot mod uses uh, the Raspberry Pi Pico uh, chip and processor, and it's a tiny little guy. I mean, you know, even, you know, the Raspberry Pi is a small board, but it's like if you put two quarters together, it's about that size. I mean, they are, it, it, it's got a nice little length. I mean, it's, it's tiny. So uh, what they've done or uh, is been able to, hack the gamecube hold on oh hi growly sorry 
I got a little freaked out. There's lightning outside, and really? I didn't. Yeah, it's raining and just started thundering and lightning. So I, oh, wow. uh, I didn't know what it was, but I saw a flash of light and thought it was like somebody's headlights. They you know hit a bump, and yeah. uh, uh, and my dog freaked out. So I was gonna I say was, Growly just came in, and I was like, why is Growly just suddenly in the room? Yeah, no, so sorry. Sorry to interrupt. We can get back to the regularly scheduled broadcast. broadcast. But, uh, so uh, I'll give it a pause so you can. So the I might leave that in. <laughs> sure, go for it. So they, it's kind of fun because, yeah, we, in our area, we don't get lightning very often. I mean, when I when I was in living in Chicago, every almost every night in the summer we'd get these amazing lightning storms i miss it because in idaho where i grew up we had a ton of lightning and thunderstorms and here uh where we live very rarely uh do we get thunder and lightning storms we get a lot of rain but no cool thunder lightning anyway uh so the pico uh board is soldered inside the gamecube and allows it to basically override the boot process and you can correct me when you go over this but it, it overrides the boot process uh using a uh running the software on the pico that has uh its own kind of boot os uh and uh allows you to use the usb port uh with a micro sd so that you can run ISO images of games. So you can uh, run homebrew, you can run games off of, uh, off of a micro SD card. And it's just amazing. Uh, when you did yours, it got, I was so excited. I like went, as you know, and overpaid on eBay, but I got a great, nice GameCube uh, that you uh, just uh, a couple days ago were able to uh, install this Pico boot because I do not do soldering, uh, especially with my MS. Uh, and even before my MS, I wish I could say that I could have done soldering and I probably couldn't have, but, uh, uh, once you have this soldered in and the board fits inside the GameCube, you don't have to do any modifications to the actual unit. Uh, you just have to crank it open. You have to remove all the, uh, several of the boards inside to get to where you need to solder. Uh, but once you do that and Dylan, uh, on, on this second try, he had this done in under 30 minutes. It was amazing. I mean, he just cracked open my GameCube, took out the different boards, uh, including like the controller board, ha uh, even removed the uh, heat sink off the processors. I mean, the whole works and have yeah. this bad boy uh, soldered in, ready to go and running. Uh, what's the name of the OS that, that it runs off of or the. Oh, yeah. So the software um, that, that we've chosen to use is yes. Swiss, um, which is right. like it's it's like a swiss army knife of of gamecube it really is. homebrew yeah. uh and uh yeah it it's pretty neat it's it's literally like five wires that you solder from a couple yeah. of points on the gamecube's uh logic board to the pico or to the raspberry pi pico and uh yeah it basically just overrides the the bootloader so that you can load custom 
software um, rather yeah. than the default bootloader. Uh, and what so you this... no longer have to boot off the the DVD, the mini DVD drive. It just right. you can choose to ignore it. You can also, if you want to, you can override and just boot as normal and and run a mini DVD if you want to. If you're wanting to run original software, it's just really slick. Yeah, the the primary benefits of it are um, that you, of course, can boot from an external or from from an alternate storage media, right? So the the GameCube was designed only to boot media from a disc, but uh, they left in on on several models. <laughs> on most of the models, they left in this serial port. Uh, serial port two is what the one is, and and basically it, it had no other use. There's three ports on the bottom of of the GameCube. One was used for the Game Boy Player expansion. One was used yes. for the broadband adapter, and the other one, serial port two, wasn't used at all, and uh, except for like for development purposes. So there are adapters, very, very cheap adapters you can get that go into serial port two and let you put a micro SD card in. And so once you've booted Swiss, Swiss can point to it and go load a game from here rather than the optical drive. And it's a, yeah, sorry. It's not a USB. It's a serial uh, adapter that goes in there. So I apologize. I, it's so, I mean, it kind of looks like a flat USB board that you're plugging into it, but. Yeah, I mean, it looks a lot like a USB port, but it is, and, but it, and is it, it is, well, USB stands for universal serial bus, but, uh, good point. <laughs> so it's, it's just, just a different serial port. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't trying to shame no, you. I'm sorry. No, I just, I, I, I just mean that, you know, it is, it's, it's just a different format of a serial connection. It is. So, um, <laughs> uh you could an alternate thing that you could do is instead of from the serial port um because there are game cubes that don't have that port you could uh instead um use a GameCube uh memory card adapter that adapts to an sd card yes. um or you could use it to load from burned discs if you wanted to be doing that which i would not recommend um and then also like the other thing that it can do that I didn't really even mention to you is that it can uh, it can just allow you to boot out of region discs. So if you wanted to import a Japanese yeah. specific game, you could load that from the optical drive because you have Pico Boot. So it it would oh, it would just awesome. circumvent the region locking, which is really great. That is great. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I mean, I noticed that we could load uh, a. Uh, ISO from Japan. We loaded up a, a yeah. one of my Bleach anime fighter games, and of course, it loaded right up. You know, but that was just an image. I'm sure that you know the the region was irrelevant. But I didn't realize that you could actually, if I wanted to purchase a disc, yep. that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, now, but of course, to, are you able to copy? Uh, did you say this already? You can copy like an image uh, or a disc to yeah. micro SD. So this will let you load any GameCube compatible homebrew. So there are, um, Oh yeah, there home, are, yeah. there are homebrew applications that you can, you can get and load on your SD card. That'll let you dump GameCube games to the SD card. Oh, you can, so cool. 
there's a GameCube. Uh, it's called GameCube Memory Manager, and it lets you um, manage oh. the files on a memory card more nice. uh, uh, more flexibly than the built-in memory card manager on the stock GameCube uh, OS. Yeah, and uh, there, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. Another really cool one is if you do have the Game Boy Player hardware, but not the disc, because those are harder to find. Um, right you can load a homebrew uh, Game Boy player software called Game Boy Interface. And it actually has like an improved uh, graphical experience than the uh, the Game Boy player uh, start disc that Nintendo shipped. Um, like it, it renders better. You have options about like, oh, do you want it to be 480i or 240p? Do you want it to have nice. borders or not? Do you want it to... Um, you can run different versions of it that run faster or bigger, or there's all sorts of different options that wow. the GameCube um, default, like the regular Game Boy player didn't offer. And so there, yeah, there's great homebrew. Was, I always thought it was crazy that the, that, and I remember this because I owned one back in the day, you had to buy the, it came with it, but you bought the, you bought the game boy player add-on which like you said snaps to the bottom of the game boy allowing you to plug in physical game boy cartridges so you could run game boy game boy color or in game boy advance right all yeah it had run at the time it was all game boy cartridges it really was yeah it was all yeah. the ones that at that point you could run and uh but to even boot to that you had to use a disc that uh, that came with the the purchase and now like you were mentioning that disc it, you can buy you can buy the 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 physical part for like 60 bucks on ebay but to get the disc you're spending i think i saw like 120 plus dollar yeah, for the for just the disc just the disc and now, i assume that the reason is that they that people like bought them and then like lost the disc but the I hardware think. is harder to lose because it's bigger it is and it's like a lot of people just forgot about it and left it attached to their gamecube you know it right just, it's just connected and they just was like oh yeah there it is but you know yeah they lost their disc or their disc got thrown out and uh, boy it is quite stormy outside i'm sorry to interrupt it? but it is yeah this is, this is it was nice and warm and sunny today and bright and yeah. blue skies and now it's just all of a sudden dumping so well and my my parents are sending me these amazing screen or uh, photos of this gorgeous sunset so normally my parents tell me they can see the, they have a good window to see the sunset where my apartment, you can't even see the sunset. And uh, they'll tell me, Hey, looks like it's going to be a great sunset. So I'll go get my DJI mini pro three drone and fly it up and take pictures as you've seen of the yeah. sunsets. And uh, so I'm kind of jealous because they sent me some really amazing photos of the sunset. So well, you I might get some of this precipitation in like an hour. Yo, is it coming my way? It is, but it might it, you might rich. miss you. It might go a little bit too far west. Yeah, right now it's like there is no rain. It's just a gorgeous sunset. Out it there. literally just strolled on in. <laughs> it yeah. was very shocking. I keep seeing right. you look out your window, which yeah, because uh, it's like lightning. It's just like lighting yeah. up every couple of minutes. Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, my dog definitely doesn't like it. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, where's Growly? So he's just under my desk. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. yeah curled up in a little ball. Yeah. Uh, he's fine, but he doesn't like it. Um, yeah. So should we talk about other console mods? Uh, yeah. Actually, well, first, so you, I, what's your? This is your first console mod that you yeah, owned, so right? Is, yeah. So you know. Uh, you and I both for different reasons have like a soft spot for the GameCube. So it was like yeah. when you got the GameCube and you were able to mod it, uh, I knew I had to get one. And of course you, you were like, Oh yeah, I can totally mod it for you. It's easy. Just get, you know, you literally sent me the parts and I got them and it was really easy. And there um, was just two parts that I sent you. Yeah. Right? It, <laughs> it was, was just the Pico boot or the, the Raspberry Pi Pico and the, uh, uh, serial the serial yeah, adapter adapter that's yep. right yeah i think it was yeah it was just those two that's it so you know and then uh oh and i bought a, a really nice brand new uh controller from japan uh, oh yeah uh which yeah while not necessary it was a really good purchase it's it's an amazing uh much better controller than even the used one, of course, that I received from buying this used GameCube. But yeah, so I've never, you know, as we've discussed in past podcasts, I've never gone, you know, I I have a few uh, hardware systems like the PSP, the Vita. Uh, I I definitely have, you know, I'm lucky enough to have the PS5 and the and the. Uh, xbox series x you know the the newer systems but i don't go out of my way to uh buy uh, or keep a lot of the older retro systems you know I, the mister for me really feel fills in that space of where i can play my retro games in a in a very realistic uh way and i you know of course i just love the mister uh and the and i have a lot of other emulation systems but this was like a really neat opportunity because uh again you could mod it it was cheap the picos are go i mean i bought two picos for like i think 40 bucks which is actually expensive whoa you know i paid like seven dollars for my one oh no you're right i think i got them for like 20 bucks okay that makes more sense it was was like 40 dollars no it was like 20 bucks which even then yeah that was still a yeah you know i bought it through a third party so they of course yeah, they took a cut. Uh, took a cut. But, yeah. you know, uh, I really, and the reason I wanted this one is because, of course, I have that uh, Sony monitor. So yes. having that Sony monitor, which once again, I got through you, to me, that just seemed like the ideal setup for using that monitor was I've got a, I've got a good system that's got great graphics and it looks great on a CRT. Uh, and now that it's modded, oh, I mean, I'm just set up for that system. And uh, it's a great little system. I can, you know, and, you yeah. know, it's in my listening room where I have all my records. So it's like I can play a record, kick back. And if I'm feeling like I want to play a game, boom, I've got this really awesome setup where I can play uh, GameCube games. But uh, yeah, so. For me, this was kind of the first one. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed watching you uh, mod it and and uh, do the uh, 
uh, wow, I'm blinking the word. Uh, not ironing, but oh, soldering. Soldering. Thank you, brother. But yeah, doing all the soldering and everything, and that was really cool. And taking it apart and putting it back together in 30 minutes was kind of amazing, actually. So, uh, <laughs> and and I also just just to just to I don't know, drop it out there. I I also was like, you know what? While we're in here. Let's let's update your clock battery just because you know why not. Yes. So we did that too. Yeah, you you totally replaced the where the the battery got the connector and the holder for the battery. So now, if I need to replace that battery, I can just flip it out. It's not soldered in anymore. Yeah, I can just flip it out, put in a new battery, and I'm golden. And uh, once again, you did that all in like 30 minutes. It was amazing. So, yeah, very cool. Well, thank you for talking me up. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I think uh, that... Uh, what's, what, what's some of the... What's one of the first mods that comes to mind? Or, yeah, what's one of the first of your mods that you really just was like, yeah, this is this is really an amazing setup for you? So, uh, I, you know, I have a few mods. There's actually, you know what? Here's Let's talk a little bit about the two kinds of mods there are. Good point. So there are generally two categories of mods. There are hard mods, which is what I would classify the the Pico Boot mod to be. Yes. yes. Because it means that you are are modifying the original hardware. Right. And and then there are soft mods, which are modifying the software to change the behavior and, and allow uh, extra functionality. And, um, personally, my stance on, um, modifications is I want to do the least invasive changes I can to get the most feature benefit. Um, so my first experience with modding in general, which, and I think is most people's is soft modding the Wii, which of course was the successor to the GameCube. Um, and uh, soft modding the Wii is super easy and really great. I mean, there's right. really not very many reasons to hard mod a Wii because a lot of the times before the Wii, um, there would be mods, hard mods that would be done to like PlayStations or uh, uh, PlayStation was a big one. Dreamcast. Would you would do these mods to um, yeah. like like get region free functionality so you could import games or you would get a mod that would allow you to read burned discs or, but, but a lot of those would require these modification chips that you'd have to wire solder into the board and stuff. And it would circumvent the, uh, the copy protection um, features of the device. And some Uh, of those were kind of sketchy. Like they, Oh yeah. You know, it's like they, they were made really cheap. The the chips could burn out. And then if it did, it would ruin your system. Or if you didn't solder it exactly right. And they were complicated to solder in. Like they like were. They, were, they yeah. were like getting an octopus in there. Um, yeah. Some of them were like putting that chip like almost right over like a main processor or subprocessor. Uh-huh on top of it and you're soldering it it just and once again this scared me to death so it's like yeah i i didn't touch any of that because i was like yep i would blow that apart you know yeah well and i you know i want like i said i want to do minimal invasive changes really invasive 
I mean, they really. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, they were cool if you got them to work, but they were invasive. Yeah, so so the Wii was not very invasive, right? Because oh. you could always set it back to factory if you really wanted to. Yeah. And, and also, it didn't change the functionality of the Wii. It just added to it. Right. And uh, so that was great. And so I've been doing that for more than a decade now. Um, and it's, uh, it was a great experience, uh, to, to have that under my belt. But then I, I started in the last few years getting into, to hard mods. Um, and I think the first one I did only because I could not get my hands on the one I really wanted. Um, the first one I did, uh, was for my Dreamcast. I got a, uh, and at the time, I think it was called DC HDMI. They've changed the name now. It's DC Digital, and mm. it is a uh, it is actually FPGA based. It is a um, yeah. HDMI mod output mod. Basically, all systems, all computer systems that are video games um, are a part of um, generate a digital image that then has to be converted into a analog signal through a digital to analog converter a dac and then output that to did to analog signals in order to show on what at the time was the standard analog tv sets or displays um and uh displays today are digital and so there's there's like double conversion going on if you if you were to just get a thing to plug it into your hdmi set you the dreamcast in this case would be creating a digital image converting it to analog and then you would need to plug some sort of adapter in that would convert it from analog to digital again and not only does that usually look bad but it also usually adds uh, latency not always but yeah it's not great and so tv sets that that are digital that have analog connections have like scalers in them that do the digital to analog or the analog to digital conversion. And they usually suck, uh, (laughs) like really bad. And so there are better things that do the, the analog digital conversion, um, with less latency and with better visual fidelity, like uh, retro tink is a great option. Hmm. Um, but I was really interested, and I don't know why, because now I have this obsession with CRTs, but I was really interested in getting really great image out of my uh, my Dreamcast. Ooh, so yeah. I got this DC Digital, and I did a bunch of the mod myself, where I opened up the case, I made the modifications to the case necessary for it, I even put the uh, mod hardware in the case and cut the hole for it yeah but what i didn't do is i didn't solder the ribbon to the board the the ribbon cable i had a local hardware shop do that for me because i did not have the experience that's right yeah Uh, but then as soon as i got a taste of that i couldn't stop i couldn't stop i needed more you did so quick question and this is just for the for the well the people like me who don't so I remember there being like, you could buy like aftermarket HDMI, you know, converter, you know, it could convert the Dreamcast to HDMI signal. Uh, so, I mean, I'm guessing because that you were going to analog signal back to HDMI, 
getting rid of all of that and just going straight to HDMI to the digital. Yeah. That's that was the purity of it, right? Because right, so this aftermarket ones, and I, I mean, I think I even had one because I didn't know better at the time, but it was like, oh yeah, you can buy these little aftermarket and you just plug them in, and they and it gave you an HDMI signal. But yeah. you know, so there there are loads of these things out there where they're yeah. like, oh, it's an HDMI plug for your. Uh, yeah, Nintendo they make 64 it sound or whatever. Like, oh, it's so great. You're and gonna have, they, you're gonna have great HDMI. Signal. They do work. They they do. they do work, but they are converting at their all of them at their base are converting a analog signal to signal. a digital signal. That's right. And uh, they do that at varying levels of quality, both in latency and visual fidelity. So yeah. things like the RetroTINK or the uh, open source scan converter or the FrameMeister preserve the quality and to the best yeah. they can given the analog signal that they have that's and awesome. they do it with minimal latency and they're really really great and they're yeah, an excellent cool. option yeah but i wanted digital to digital yeah so um, then you know you're cutting out all that analog you know and, and once again you know going down to analog and then back up to digital through that conversion process that's yeah. all signal loss i mean you know like yeah said, you do a really good job uh, uh of doing that but cutting all that out and going straight to digital now uh once you got that all done which i still think you did a great job of cutting out the yeah i mean you cut out a hole in the box i mean it i think it looks great but uh when you were all done all when it's all said and done were you like, yes, this was the quality I was expecting. The video quality was this what I was hoping for. Did oh yeah, standards good. Oh yeah, it, it in a digital it awesome. in a digital connection, it is unparalleled. Nice. Uh, these I digital. Mean, I would expect it to be, yeah. but you know, sometimes I do something like that, and I'm like, eh, you know, it's all right. I mean, so there's problems. There's there are problems still. Like uh, the Dreamcast has a lot of 480i uh, video yes. output, yes. which is which is fine. So is the, the GameCube. Um, the yeah. The problem is is that on a digital display, 480i content can look really bad because it's oh, really? flickering. Yeah, well, because it oh, flickers. Oh yeah, flickering. Yeah. Right. We we're not used to that these days because digital signals are all progressive scans. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. when you, when you output a 480i signal, um, you get, uh, this flicker. And so there are ways to deal with it. There's like a bob and a weave and they, you know, one is, is more blurry and the other is more, shows the comb artifacts more. There's yeah, just, the comb there's, yeah. yeah, there's just different pros and cons to how to handle that. Sure. Um, but it, it does. So the Dreamcast is really cool because it actually has a uh, couple of options where you can tell it to force progressive scan oh, in nice. a lot of games. So if wow. you're playing on a digital display only, yeah, you can get a 480p image out of it and it looks really good. That's for, awesome. I mean, like incredible. Um, yeah, 480p, but, I mean, the 480 progressive is like, it's pretty amazing, honestly. I mean, yeah, and the Dreamcast had that at the time because it it had a cool. it had a VGA adapter option, yeah. and so it supported higher resolution um, progressive scan um, right. options at the time, which is cool. 
And so the yeah. HDMI mod can take advantage of that. Uh, and the other cool thing about these HDMI mods is that um, they preserve the DAC and the analog output of the original system. So what that means is that you can do simultaneous output to both so cool. digital and analog sources, like uh, display. So if I wanted to set one up on my desk and plug it into my CRT and my display, my, yeah. my, my LCD monitor, I could do that and it would go directly from the Dreamcast into those two displays and show on both of them at the same time um, without any conversion or anything. It just goes directly to them. Um, there is one cool. downside to doing that. And oh, that okay. is that if your CRT doesn't do 480p, that means that your LCD, your digital display, uh, has has to accept the the flickery 480i. Gotcha. So there's now, some so in theory, you could use those two signals. You could use one for say like like you've done like YouTube broadcasting and things like that. Yes. You could do you could record on one, have one playing out so that it has. Uh, right. So f the reason cool. I think I got into this, despite it not really making much sense, because I'm not that much of a streamer, is that I, I <laughs> wanted to capture my games mm. for like a stream. And so uh, the best way to do that is with a, di a digital capture card. Yeah. And so you got an HDMI mod, your right. your systems in order to get digital capture out of them. And I wanted the like cleanest, crispiest pixels possible because I do have an analog capture kit, but it, it looks a little worse. So I was like, I want digital. Yeah. And uh, that is an absolutely perfect way to do that. And then what you can do is you can either you can use an HDMI splitter or you can use the pass through on the capture card and play on the display and capture it um, as well. And then oh, yeah. if I wanted to do, if I wanted to do all my CRT and then let um, viewers watch the digital image, then I could do the, the simultaneous output. So there's lots of options and I have a lot of fun with it. And then I didn't stop there with my Dreamcast. I hey, have, I also oh, installed yeah. an optical drive emulator. That's right. And those are really cool because, of course... Do you, you have to actually do any uh, hardware... I mean, could you just slide it in or did you have to actually... Uh, tell me how it worked. Yeah, so so uh, honestly, it's really easy. <laughs> okay. uh, the Dreamcast has an optical drive that just has a like a very simple plastic connector on it. And so mm. you can just pull... You, you unscrew a couple of screws and pull the optical drive out. And then the uh, the optical drive emulator slots into that same thing. Um, so the the what an optical drive emulator is is basically um, optical drives have a laser in them, moves back and forth, and spins a disc. And those lasers have a tendency to die over a period of time, which means that yeah. uh, you can replace them, but eventually there won't be more parts to replace them with because we're not really making more optical drives that much. So yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what that means is that finding a, uh, an alternate method of loading um, information into the system needs to accommodate the existing hardware. And so the way that you do yeah. that on, on systems like the 
the Dreamcast or the PlayStation is usually with an optical drive emulator. And basically it's a piece of hardware that pretends it has information in it either by like a micro SD card or a USB port. Or in my case, I used a SATA drive and uh, so it's got a solid state SATA drive in it and it, it has software on it that that checks that uh, drive and then sends information to the Dreamcast in the same format as the optical drive. So it pretends yeah, it to be... Yeah, basically pulls the Dreamcast saying, hey, here's your optical drive, here's the information on the optical drive, go. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's real simple. So, uh, yeah, I got I got one that was like a Chinese knockoff of, uh, yeah. of, of uh, another one called the GD Emu, and it was fine, uh, but it wasn't perfect. So... I wanted the better, I've got a better one and it was really expensive, but, uh, it works so well, uh, that it was worth it. Um, uh, and so how many, how many of these, so you mentioned you have one for the, the play dreamcast and the, was it the PlayStation two that you also have one of these, the emulators, the optical drive emulator, optical drive emulators. How many of those do you have? I don't have more optical drive emulators, uh, oh, but um, just the one on the Dreamcast. Just the one on the Dreamcast. They Got make it. them. They make them for the GameCube and the PlayStation One, um, and the Saturn, I think. Um, but I just have the one for the Dreamcast so far. Gotcha. The reason is is that I have a PlayStation Two that can play PlayStation One games. I have a PlayStation one that can play PlayStation one games and I have the mister that can play PlayStation one games. So I didn't feel like I needed to optical drive emulate my PlayStation one. Um, and the reason that, uh, another reason I didn't do for my PlayStation one is that, uh, they make optical drive emulators for it. A couple of them actually, but, uh, they the there are lots of different revisions of the PlayStation One, and I have the earliest revision yes, of the PlayStation do. One, yeah, and so cool. it is compatible with ODEs or some ODEs. It is not compatible with some HDMI mods, and I thought, well, if I was going to get one, I if I was going to do a hardware mod to my PlayStation, I would want to get another PlayStation that's compatible with both at the same time. Yeah. So instead, I just didn't do any of them. <laughs> so and and it, I was comfortable with that. I haven't hunted down a, another PlayStation because yeah. I've, got, I've got two Misters and a PlayStation right. Two. Yeah. So I've got plenty of ways to play uh, accurate PlayStation One games. Yeah. Uh, another uh, HDMI mod that I've done is the N sixty four. Um, oh, I have the N fifty four digital, and that one's really cool. It's same situation as the Dreamcast. Really, is is I cut open my N sixty four, made the the holes for it, and then I had the hardware, the same hardware place, do the soldering to the because the CPU you got to solder a ribbon directly to the CPU, and I just wasn't quite comfortable with that. Um, I might eventually though, because I I kind of want to get a microscope, and uh, you can get Ooh. digital digital microscopes it's yes. just a, it's just a webcam that has a better lens for right. getting close up and then you look at the image on a screen in order to do that tight soldering oh cool wow uh so i just didn't i haven't done that yet but um same situation it just lets you output hdmi to a 
uh, from an N64. Um, that one's actually really cool because they've used more powerful FPGAs. And um, so they can do fancier transformations on the graphics. So that oh, has cool. like, you know how the Mr. has the CRT um, yeah. filters? Yeah, those are great. They're really good, and they the uh, N64 digital can do those. The DC digital wow. is too old, and, and they didn't have that kind of stuff at the time. But the yeah, N64 cool. ones are crazy oh. good. Oh, that's uh, awesome. That alone, with the with yeah. the digital output, man, that'd be worth it. That's yeah. awesome. One thing I think is funny, and when we're talking about modifications, is that the discs we used, like chip lockouts and stuff like that yeah. um I, I guess so did the nes but uh for region locking um the n64 uh one of its methods of region locking was that it just had some tabs in the american version that prevented japanese cartridges from fitting and so yeah. if you just cut those tabs out of the bottom of the tray or you right. removed that that tray entirely then japanese carts would fit and i think you still there was still a lockout chip that you had to alter yeah, but like there was a chip in there that even had like copy protection too right there yeah something i can't quite remember the details on it but yeah there was something that you had to alter internally but it was mostly trivial and then and then you had to get rid of those tabs um which yeah. i think is just a funny means of prevention is because you could literally just take some pliers in there and break them out break them out wow um and then so here's here's the last well maybe not the last the, the, the another mod i've done <laughs> this one i did all myself and i think was maybe the most fun i've had doing a mod i don't really? know the pico boot's pretty close but the say, original the seemed really fun yeah the original the xbox was really fun oh uh so the original xbox um is largely just a pc uh from the from the year 2000 yeah uh and it so it's got a a, it had a parallel ata a pata drive or ide uh hard drive in it yeah IDEs. and it was like four or eight gigabytes in the one i had it was very relatively small you couldn't fit a ton of games on it but with homebrew you could load games onto the hard drive um so uh with homebrew like you could use a game to crash which i did initially is you have to use a game to like crash the os and then load software and then you could use the the hard the, that's a, that's the soft mod part and now, then you could that, use that soft mod was it permanent or did you have to crash it every time you like booted up the system Oh, you you could do it permanently, but nice. there was but there were some severe limitations to it. Like you, uh, the soft mod would not allow you to uh, uh, change out the hard drive because the the BIOS of the system yeah. was checking the ID on the hard drive to it make was. sure it was good. Yeah. So you have to hard mod it if you really want to be able to do do whatever you want to it. Uh. So I wanted a bigger hard drive in there so I could load games on it, not use the optical drive and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, the, this one's really fun because uh, basically the, the chip that stores the cuts um, called the EEPROM. It's basically a chip that stores uh, the BIOS. Can you hear that on my microphone? Can I hear it's, you? It, 
Oh, can you hear the thunder? It is very no. loud. Is it? Wow, I can't. And, uh, and you and I don't live that far away. I'm surprised I can't hear it from here. It's, but it is literally thunderous. Wow. Man, yeah, I... I I get nothing over here. That's. That I'm sorry. Uh, so anyway, the the EEPROM is a chip that it contains the the BIOS information. The the that's right. Yep. The boot sequence on the Xbox and um, the it's a read. It's it's in read only, which means that it can't be altered. Yeah, you to, can't mod. To... You can't mod it. Like some of the old BIOS, you can go in, of course, and mod them. Yeah. Um, platform, but. Uh, so in almost, well, in almost all the revisions of the Xbox, that BIOS is, uh, is only set to read only mode, which is, it's a setting and it's a hardware, it's a hardware setting. So if you want to alter what it is so that you can get other modifications and more flexible interface and 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 functions from it you can uh turn off the read only mode and and how you do that is there are two jump pads on the logic board that if you just jump them with i just took in a little a little bit of wire and a little bit of solder and they're very small i just went in and and just soldered and bridged them wow and it uh it, and that would it, flip it over to readable or writable. Yeah, writable. Yeah, it, it wow. flips it to writable. And then what you can do is is use homebrew software after with the soft mod. You can right. use homebrew software to flash the EEPROM and load a new BIOS onto it that would let you do whatever you want. So all you got to do is change what it thinks the hard drive's serial number should be to all zeros. And then you got to put a hard drive in there that says, hey, I'm all zeros. And then it will let you use that hard drive because uh, it's just a PC. It just yeah. recognizes it as a bigger hard drive. Wow. And so as long as you load the Xbox OS in there, it it can use it. And so uh, that one was really, really fun because I just pulled the logic board out and did the soldering and stuck yeah. a DVD in that said, flash this and it did it. And, that's awesome. uh, and that's really cool. Cause you can, I've got, I've got movies and stuff loaded, actually mostly TV shows loaded mm-hmm. on there that uh, I can watch on my CRTs from the Xbox. Um, and then, yeah, I can, I can load games from DVDs or I can load them from the hard drive now. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed that. And, and it's still minimally invasive because I still get standard functionality of the Xbox and then I just get extra. That's right. Um, well, and that reminds me actually of, uh, and this is one of my few experiences beyond what we did was the Xbox 360. So the mm. original 360, uh, you could uh you had to mod the firmware in the dvd uh drive uh and if you did you could mod it so that it could load homebrew it could load uh copied games it was awesome um and i had one of those so i was content i had i had a lot of 
lot of discs, we'll say, and it was great. And I mean, and uh, one day I powered it up and I got the now infamous Ring of Death. Oh, yeah, the Red Ring of Death. Red Ring of Death. And so the machine was dead. Uh, I had to send it to Microsoft. This By this time, Microsoft finally had acknowledged that, oh, yeah, we've got a heating problem. And so I sent it in. Uh, they sent me a brand new one with uh, the new motherboard and the new heat sinks and fans. Yeah, but they kept your mod. And that's the problem, is yeah. that the new drive was... The new the new DVD drive had a non-writable BIOS on it. So you couldn't go in there and flash it like the old one. And so now I had all these disks that were worthless. And uh, so they came out with a new way of basically what they did is they... Uh, so the the just like the hard drive on the, X, the original Xbox the machine checked for the ID, the identifiers of the of the DVD-ROM drive. So if you tried to swap it out with one that had a writable BIOS, it would fail because it knew the, the ID serial numbers. Right. And yep. so uh, there, there was... Uh, so, but to get around that, you could... Uh, buy uh, one of the an, another DVD-ROM drive that could read the discs just like the old ones, but you had to do some soldering and you had to copy the serial number. Basically, you had to hack it so that the serial number matched with the old one. Yeah. So I, this was way out of my scope, but because I had all these discs and stuff. And this is kind of sketchy, actually. I wouldn't do this nowadays. But back then, eh, I I literally, there were people that advertised on the internet that said, hey, send me the original disc drive the, and the DVD drive and send me your new one. And, uh, uh, and uh, if you had a new one, so they would, uh, you sent it to the guy, he you paid him. And basically, you got your your drive back with the serial number that worked, uh, with the drive that, of course, now has been hacked, and they had already soldered it and everything, so that it was, uh, you know, it was just ready to go. So you just literally just slid it into your uh, Xbox 360, and you're golden. Uh, nowadays, of course, I would never send this to some dude. I have no idea who on the internet. <laughs> that did this for me. Luckily it wasn't a scam. Luckily, you know, uh, it all worked and it was really awesome. Um, and, uh, uh, I ended up actually selling it to, uh, one of our coworkers, Mike, uh, and, oh. uh yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, he, and the one thing you couldn't do with it, and this is the one thing I didn't like is that it did affect functionality. You couldn't go online with it. Uh, if it went online, it would get banned. And he, uh, yeah. So anyway, he uh, he got it banned. So yeah, I'm I got to talk to you about uh, Xbox 360s, um, yeah. but I will do that in just a moment. Yes. Uh, so we all right. So about Xbox we, 360. 
Yeah, we just took a little bit of a break here. We we're talking about the Xbox 360, and I have wanted to mod an Xbox 360 for a while because they're at the point where like I wouldn't mind never plugging it into Xbox Live again. Yeah, because that's because that's the rub, right? If if they if you connected modded uh, console yeah. with and your totally Xbox Live agree. account, it can it can damage your account, and so yeah. it can hurt current. So uh, I wouldn't mind not ever plugging it into the internet again. Um, that was my, my that was my thought as well. Is when I did it, I was like, I could care less because at the time I wasn't playing multiplayer or anything like that. Yeah, and and uh, I think it would be fun to I, you know I don't know what the options are. I gotta look into it. I I want to be able to load games from a uh, from a disc or from a from a uh, hard drive or a solid state drive rather oh, than yeah. a, from a DVD. Yeah. So you know I'd love to slap a one or two terabyte hard drive in there and have For it sure. load from that. But uh, in my experience of trying to look up how to do these, it's quite difficult they're pretty hard to mod not impossible but it's not easy so and and of course i could ship it off to a modding service for 80 bucks or something of course yeah but i i want to just do it myself so of course you do of course so uh not not yet i haven't done that yet uh Oh man, I'd be really curious if you get to that point where you decide. I would love to, you know, I, I, you know, I had sold my 360, and and I was so bummed that he ruined his, ruined the machine because of course it got banned uh, when he tried to bring it online. Uh, uh, But I, I, yeah, I totally regret selling it totally regret it you know it's one of those one that's one of the ones i wish i would have kept the 360 yeah. had some great games it was at the time i really feel like it was revolutionary graphics wise you know that and the ps3 they were both like you know yeah. uh they were a big step up from the ps2 and especially the xbox honestly big step up uh graphics wise and uh yeah, yeah, I, re- I wish I would have kept, uh, I wish I would have kept both of them. I had an original, oh, this makes me sad, but I had an original PS3 that had the uh, uh, ability to play PS2 games. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I sold it. And uh, I, I mean, I made, I sold it for a really good price. I mean, I made some good money off of it. Yeah. It was an original, but, uh, yeah, just it's one of those things where it's like, and it's like now you know I've got that Xbox X, and I've got the PS4, just the original yeah. or you know the PS5. Well, now I have the PS5 and the yeah. Xbox Series X, but I also have the old the series before the PS4 yeah, sure. and the and the what do they call it? Is it Xbox X? The black Xbox One, one X. Xbox One X. Thank you, and. I haven't powered up either of those in years, you know. Uh, yeah, I have a very I, fancy PlayStation 4, an extraordinarily rare PlayStation 4 that has been sitting on the shelf for well over a year now. Yeah, and you haven't uh, powered be, it on. No, no, yeah. it is on a shelf unplugged because I've got plugged. a PS5. Yeah. Uh, no. Which is fine. I like having it. 
because of its rarity. I was going to say, that one rarity. is such a cool, rare unit. Even I, when, even when you showed it to me uh, when I was over the last time, I just, even I was like, oh man, I was drooling. That thing's awesome. It, it's so, very cool. Uh, it is very cool. So yeah, even if you just leave it there, put it on a wall, you know, put it in a frame. I mean, yeah. Whatever you do with it, that that's a keeper. I mean, for sure, you know, for sure. You know, and it, like, I won't be modifying that ever. Uh, yeah. Not that you know, as as consoles get more complex, the console mods forum become yes. less likely to happen. Uh, but also, soft modding becomes more of a thing at that point it too. Does. It does. So well, and when we were talking about you know our first experience with like modding, you know, one of my first ones, uh, and I think. And we may have to look this up on good old Google, but I think my first experience was actually the PSP. Like, yeah, oh, I, yeah. You know, that I think was before, I mean, it came out before the Wii, but I'm also pretty sure that the soft modding. Uh, oh, yeah, soft modding was huge on the PSP. It, it was. And for me, that was a massive learning experience. Like, you know, homebrew, what homebrew could do and couldn't do, uh, you know, being able to load. Uh, once again, we had another way to play PS1 games because we could yeah. easily uh, use uh, the, the PSP to play PS1 games uh, and do it very well. And uh, yeah, it was just such a fun homebrew experience. Uh, community i mean there yeah, were so many yeah. people like involved and everybody was like you know supporting them and you know discord didn't even exist you know this was all you know for old school forums and people just you know supporting them through like paypal it was just nuts but it was so cool because yeah i mean the psp was a great system and being able to soft mod it just made it even greater yeah it still is a honestly it's a still a really great emulation beast it can emulate with homebrew you can emulate a lot of older game systems uh you know it was one of my first experiences where i could play uh sega genesis or super nintendo uh, on the go in a yeah 60 frames per second sort of way it was awesome but yeah that was probably my first experience which i'm glad because when the wii came out and the homebrew community started uh there it was an easy transition for me to understand and know what i was doing it was pretty yeah. awesome so, um good stuff. you reminded me yeah of another another soft mod oh, that yeah. i think is really fun um are you familiar with tony hacks no 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 so no this one i think is so fun it's it's really okay. fun um so the original playstation one has of course a copy protection on it to mm -hmm. uh prevent loading of just burned cds because it it loads cd literally audio audio cds oh, and and yeah, playstation yeah. games yeah. are are on on cd format so uh, but they have a copy protection so you can't just burn a cd and play right. it and they even had like this, they even were like, they had like this black color. Yeah, it. but it, that was just a color. It wasn't. It was totally. It, but it, I mean, at, at first people were like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a new type of system. And, 
you know. Yeah, no, it was just a black color. It was just a black color. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this is a great mod. I love this. So, so, uh, anyway, the, uh, the, the there's this new this is a relatively new mod uh so, it is a soft oh, is. mod oh yeah this is a soft mod for the playstation one and actually also the playstation 2 it works on on many models of the playstation 2 uh basically what you do is you load a uh um modified uh save file for tony hawk's pro skater mm. uh onto the uh memory card for the playstation and uh then you load up tony hawk and and you load that pro that memory save file that profile on the from the memory card and then it crashes and lets it load extra data from the save file uh, to boot and then so you you'll see it when you boot it 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 crashes and then loads up a new os basically uh and it basically just runs through the boot sequence and then and then disables the region check and then says load a new disc and so you can literally take a burned disc after that and stick it in yeah and it will read it'll bypass the copy protection and and load it up uh and it's it's a lot safer it used to be (laughs) It used to be way back in the day uh, yeah. that the copy protection was basically you would do a hot swap method. So you would That's like what hold. I was thinking of was the hot swap method. Yeah. So yeah. you would like hold with a pen. You would hold the tray load like the lid open. Yeah. And then while the disc was spinning, if you loaded it and then and then timed it right, so you pulled a legitimate disc out right after the copy protection had been disabled. Yeah. And then put your copied disc in while it was like spinning it would by it would bypass the copy protection um and so that was not particularly safe to do and it was Um, and it was written it was a pain sometimes i mean yeah for me it was like one out of three tries worked you know right so this this method is great because it it allows you the flexibility to take your time and it works every time that's so cool. Uh, and it's 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 just a fun little thing. Like it's not that big of a deal. No, uh, still, and you said yeah. it works for the PS One and the PS Two. They have two different versions I, for. So not all PS Twos because the PS Twos are like crazy in uh, their revisions and adding. They so they they initially yeah. the PS Two came out and it had PlayStation One hardware in it. And then over time, as they went to the slim models, they started pulling different features out. And so different um, right. func- like different games would not work in it. And and one of the things, one of the casualties of that transition was uh, that the Tony Hacks mod doesn't work on all the PlayStation 2 models. And it would only work for the PlayStation portion, the PlayStation 1 portion. So if ah. you used the Tony Hacks hack on a playstation 2 what it would allow you to do is load a copied playstation 1 game not a copied playstation 2 game gotcha so uh but it's still fun oh yeah yeah. and way better like you said you literally had to trick the playstation into thinking the lid was closed so you had to push a pen or i think i even had like a 
a, a little paper clip, you know, and yep. I was, like jamming a paper clip in there and then, you know, it would spin up and then, yeah, you'd have to rip the disc out, throw the, the copy disc in. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But, uh, so that's really, I mean, just the fact that they've improved upon that method is cool. I think that's neat. I, yeah. I mean, it's know, technically a different it. method. It's just yeah. that it gives you a similar result in that you can yeah. burn discs you use it cool. and you use another game a real game to play burned games to bypass yeah uh and the mod has actually grown so it it the modified save file thing basically what it does is it loads too much data into this to into the part of memory when it's loading the save and then because it's overflowing it starts reading code in the save file and that code says reset and also let me load all this additional stuff that lets me turn off all these checks right right um and uh they have managed to expand it beyond tony hawk so now there's like a big list of games that you can download modified save files for that do the tony (laughs) hacks thing where it will crash the system and turn off a bunch of checks and let you load a uh burned game so i tried it even i i burned a homebrew game to the uh playstation one to a disc and and tony hacked it and loaded a homebrew game sweet yeah so so it was a full it's a full break it's just uh yeah it's not the most practical so i I don't like use it because i've got a mister (laughs) so yeah exactly but i think it's a i mean once again it's a fun thing i mean that actually brings me back to uh, a mod for the uh, Nintendo DS. So the Nintendo DS, mm. uh, if you wanted to play, like, say, homebrew or copy games or whatever, uh, they came out with a method where you could buy, basically, you had to buy a special uh, DS cartridge. The DS cartridge had a... Uh, either had built-in space for loading games via USB on your computer, mm-hmm. or eventually they had micro SD cards that you could just fill up with whatever, and then you would put that inside this this cartridge. But to get the cartridge to boot, what you had to do is they would, they would, uh, they had a copied, there were certain games that they could use. Like this one was like a, it was like a horse trainer game. So like when you plugged yeah. it in, it looked like this horse training game, like the dumbest game I've ever seen for the DS personally was this game where you had to train horses to jump or something, but all you got is the icon. And then when you loaded it, it was the same kind of thing. It would load a bunch of information causing the uh, Nintendo DS to crash reset and be like hey let me boot this 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 completely illegal system that allowed me to load homebrew and and uh it even had a little menu system and you could load up you know like i said you could load up games or you could load up uh emulation uh you could load uh what i liked is you could run uh it came this this very questionably legal cartridge came with like a a built-in emulator for nintendo uh Mm -hmm. nes games so if you had nes uh rom files you could load those up you could load up again ds games and uh yeah it was pretty cool but once again it used a crash method of 
you know, forcing it to load. And uh, so it was both a software and a hardware kind of mod setup. Um, and uh, yeah, I still have one of those actually. And it's, uh, it's pretty neat. It's fun uh, for That's cool. what it can do. But if you updated your DS firmware, no go. You're you're done. Uh, yep. It wouldn't work. So I have uh, one of my DSs is, is frozen in time. You know, it's yeah. not, you know I don't connect it to the internet. It, yeah, it hasn't been connected to the internet in, in a decade. You know, because uh, you know once again, if I did, it would load up. You know. It would auto load the the latest firmware and that would be game over so yeah, yeah. You, you know there were sacrifices for that and that was the same with uh with the psp you know is you had to really watch what firmware you had and i remember people would be like no i just updated my firmware and you know of course that one wouldn't work with the latest homebrew setup uh firmware break or whatever you know hack that was out there so uh nowadays of course they They've got they've gotten so good that uh, both the PlayStation Vita and the and the uh, the PSP it doesn't matter what firmware you're on it can downgrade or upgrade or whatever right. you want it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do oh yeah uh, so what is uh, to kind of wrap this up what is the last what is your uh, out of all of your uh, it doesn't matter if it's software or hardware. What is your favorite personal uh, mod? Man. I know. I always have to ask the tough question. Uh, I mean, look, it's it. I only don't like saying it because it seems so obvious. And it's what we started with. It's the GameCube. I, I, yeah. My favorite mod is the Pico Boot mod for... Yeah the GameCube and there's a couple of reasons for it. One, the GameCube's got a special place in my heart. So yeah. of course I like that it gives me more functionality on my GameCube, but uh also it was just a really fun mod to install. Yeah. So um the similarly to how the Xbox was fun, the GameCube, you know, was fun to just go in there, solder a few solder a few wires in, run them around onto this little board and stick it in there yeah so yeah that's that's my favorite mod it, it it's a it's minimally invasive i mean it, you know you gotta solder some stuff but like you can't tell yeah. it's modded none of my systems you can tell they're modded from the outside yeah. which i like a lot well i guess the the hdmi mods if you look at the back you can yeah tell them, but, but even then you know most people would look at that and not even question it you know right you've um, done a really good job of putting in the holes and you know even yeah. though you would say, uh, you know, maybe you would criticize <laughs> it, but I think the average person would not even notice or yeah. even question it. So I, I would agree cool. with that. Um, so I like that it, it's minimally invasive. I can, yeah. I can, I can have it boot the stock bootloader That's when right. I want. I can. Um, I love that you can then, control it with the controller, like yeah. you do different things. Explain that to the public. How do, How does that work? So basically you can set different um, boot files yeah. to keys on or buttons on the butt on the controller. So the um, you, if you hold a certain button, it will load as your boot, as you turn on the system. Yeah. If you're holding the, the button, it will point to a specific loading file. So you can say load this file that runs the um, Swiss software, or you could point it to the, 
Game Boy interface software. So yeah. you can you can load all your buttons up with different boots and uh, boot directly into those rather than um, the stock. Or what I've done is I left it so that if I boot, if I hold no buttons, it just boots the stock OS. And then yeah. if there's a disk in the drive, it'll just boot to that. And if it doesn't, it'll boot to its little cube interface. Um, yeah. Which I think is fun. I love that you can just, like you said, you know, default, you power it up. It's going to boot to the disk as expected. But mm-hmm. if you hold down, you know, the X button or the A button or whatever, it's going to, it'll boot to the, the Pico boot OS. Yeah. Uh, so that's the my, that's my favorite space. one. You know, and I, I would say uh, for me personally, uh, kind of a tie. Uh, it, the Pico boot for sure. One. Uh, sentimental value for me is, of course, uh, just you and I getting to hang out and you doing yeah. it. And I just had such a blast. And it was, and you know, uh, uh, the fact that it was easy for you to do uh, was great. Uh, and and it was something that I could have never done. So for me to get that and play that, and like I said, sentimental value both for being able to go back and play my old games, but also that, that evening was so much fun. But I would also say uh, on a uh, on another level, probably the PSP, just because that's where I learned so much about mm-hmm. software modding and just the idea that, uh, uh, that the things were going to be hackable, that we were going to be able to hack uh, or jailbreak a, uh, an iPad or... Uh, an iPhone or, or that we were going to yeah. be able to, you know, whatever the future was bright with the idea that we would be able to mod so much of this, whether it was hardware or software. Uh, I just, the PSP made me realize that, you know, we were going to be able to do some really awesome things with that. So, uh, so that was definitely, I, I would probably say that was actually second place because yeah, the Pico is the Pico boot on the Game Boy and the the Swiss OS is just really something else. It's so yeah, much fun. it's cool. Yeah. So yeah. Well, those are good. Yeah, this has been our episode on console mods. Thank you for listening, everyone. As always, yeah. you can reach us at retroresPod at gmail dot com, uh, and uh, we will just see you next time. Thank you. All right.